Hello and welcome to the This Head Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast whose JBJ ankle tattoo stands for Jim Broadbent Jamboree. Every week on This Head Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here, as always, with my love-struck German benefactor, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Uh, first of all, Jim Broadbent uh, Jamboree is a spectacular spectacular, but no one should be getting SS <laughs> tattooed onto their body. Second of all, wasn't expecting gay shit in this movie. Well, I, I, uh, gay shit of, with air quotes around of. it. It's I, I was not I was not appreciative of the way I, I, that I was it was. Not, I was not I was I did not endorse what was happening in front of us. Of uh, we'll get into it, but Jeepers uh, Creepers, <laughs> this fucking movie, it's, this fucking guy, Adam this Jones. This movie makes 15% more sense, maybe more, if it's set in a high school, because it's totally <laughs> like high school ending. What movie is it where it's like, it's not Billy Elliot, but there's like a movie about youths where there is a gay Youths. character who is like second fiddle to like Dreamboat Lead, who is in love with Dreamboat Lead, and Dreamboat Lead, as an act of penance and kindness at the end of the movie, gives the love struck gay character, even though Dreamboat Lead is fully heterosexual, a little smooch. And it's like, it's what? camp. You're describing camp, the movie camp. No, um, because that's like, that's like, I might give you a beach. No, there is like sweet. There is a moment in some movie. Listeners, get at us. Whatever this movie is, where it's like the heterosexual lead gives the gay sidekick a kiss. The love struck gay like, sidekick. Oh, isn't that nice? It's not like you know entirely emotionally manipulative and bad. The the know? moment in this movie, we're just gonna jump to this moment. The whole idea is that Daniel Bruhl's character is uh, both like financially helpful to Bradley Cooper's character, but also we come to realize that he is legitimately in gay love with him to the point where like Emma Thompson as the drug tester slash pseudo shrink. Um, yeah. Daniel Bruhl's like up. side drug tester therapist. Right. <laughs> Who's like, you know, he's in love with you, which is by the way, a wild violation of any kind of, confidentiality yes. or just like yes. human decency um but needs to point it out because so that the audience <laughs> needs to make sure they get it so by uh, something good happens near the end of the movie and bradley cooper in an act of gratitude um uh not an act of gratitude in an act of sort of like benevolence 
um, kisses Daniel Brühl on the mouth in one of those like Sienna Miller's in the room, so it's not like there's any like actual intimacy there. Doesn't it and, like, cut to her giving like a little smile, like she's the one telling us, like, see, isn't this see, sweet? And it's it's like, okay, but what? so, but after he does this, and it's this one thing, you know, it's like hands on either side of his face and like kiss him. So there's like it's not like a it's a real kiss, but it's not a real kiss. And then he pulls back and Bradley Cooper has the most irritating look of like, you're welcome on his face where he's just like, didn't I just do something? Isn't that? And then this movie has the fuck ass nerve to have Daniel Brühl be like, thank you. And it's like, (laughs) fuck off movie. Fuck off John Wells. Fuck off Stephen Knight. Jesus H. Christ. This movie, Chris. I mean, this movie. Okay, the thing about this movie is like it. It exists as a punchline, just in and of itself, of as a punchline. And of I course. maybe kind of forget why. It's because um, it changed its title from Adam Jones to, to Burnt. Burnt, right? Because it was once titled Adam Jones, and it was just Bradley Cooper on a poster that said Adam Jones. It was literally the same poster, and they just changed it. And yep. I remember the Adam Jones poster still being up at my multiplex as burnt was in the theaters like people didn't somehow realize while staffing this theater that, <laughs> uh they're two different bradley cooper uh standing with his arms crossed movies standing with his arms crossed looking so like this movie has a really hard time differentiating between the moments when it's pretending to be critical of the adam jones character and the moments where it throws all that pretense to the to to the side and just like basks in this like problematic man's genius right. and it's the most dishonest it's the most dishonest movie because it really does try and like make a head fake towards the idea of we know this guy's a bad guy and we know that he needs to and just like no you don't you think this guy <laughs> it fucking rules like this movie is so enamored of this main character and what's so special about adam jones adam jones is like basically just a guy Adam Jones, what's special about him is Bradley Cooper plays him. <laughs> like, there's nothing yes. unique about this man. Even, like, his food sensibilities at the beginning get called into question because they say that, like, escargot is passe or something, and that's what oh, he's always fucking... I have, you have never met a man who hates sous vide, who hates anything the way Adam Jones hates sous vide. He hates sous vide so so much that he tries to kill himself later in the movie. With a sous vide uh, bag. With a sous vide bag! Stephen Knight, I have to say, Stephen Knight is both a gift and a curse to the culture. All due respect to Stephen Knight, because Stephen Knight... We'll get into the Stephen Knight of it all. ...gave us simultaneous curse and gift serenity, which... We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll absolutely get into it. We can't can't get too far ahead of ourselves. There's a lot to talk about in this terrible movie. Um, But before we do, Chris, why don't you tell our listeners about why they should, if they haven't already, sign up for our Patreon? We are having so much fun over on... We really are. 
We really uh, are. We have launched our Patreon recently in the past uh, two months as of this episode airing. We're calling it This Had Oscar Buzz Turbulent Brilliance. For $5 a month, you can join us. We'll be doing lots of fun stuff, but definitely two bonus episodes every month. First of which is what we're calling Exceptions, movies which fit the This Had Oscar Buzz rubric. Great expectations and disappointing results, but these are movies that actually did get Oscar nominations in the end. Uh, at this point, we got nine. We got Pleasantville. We're going to be coming up with the Gary's Listener's Choice episode. Uh, by now, you'll know what it is. Uh, we are currently running the poll, though there is a, a, a front runner. We'll talk. We'll talk about the metrics once we get to that episode. Yeah. Second episode every month, we're doing what we call excursions, which are breaks from the format, but talking about very this had Oscar buzz adjacent things. We've got a Magic Mike live episode. We've got a. Uh, uh, 2016 Actress Roundtable episode. We'll be doing things like recapping old award shows, talking about EW movie preview issues. We're going to be doing a patron-only mailbag soon. So uh, hop on over to This Had Oscar Buzz Turbulent Brilliance. Patreon.com slash This Had Oscar Buzz. We will see you there. We're having a fun time. We're having a very fun time. Fun very time much had by it. all. Uh, Come join us. Uh, the listeners. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So back to burnt. You burnt. You burnt. You burnt. That was your suggestion before we started recording that I just yell you burnt every few minutes. And honestly. Oh, no comeback. You burnt. It's what I want to do, because every time I see this title, that's all I can think of. You burnt. Um, I had to when I sent you that movie, though, I feel like if you're going to go from the most generic title to a different type of generic title from adam jones to burnt well there should before be a it was adam jones in the movie where like things burn i mean maybe the michelin people's taste buds burn May- yeah well omar because, sai made made sure of that yeah, yeah. but this was an initially titled chef back when it was first developed by uh, the Weinstein Company in 2013. The Weinstein Company and John Wells. Stephen Knight wrote this, but John Wells uh, directed it, sort of coming off of August Osage County, which... Do we think August Osage County was viewed as a success or a failure within the Weinstein Company? Because clearly John Wells got a vote of confidence by like getting to turn around and make a movie with their, at the time, most prized star in Bradley Cooper. I mean, maybe some of that was a contractual thing? Like, maybe. you know, terms of the contract for August Osage? But who kind of knows? They invested in John Wells, like, obviously, Boo his Harvey Weinstein, etc. Yeah. Etc. That you know, <laughs> that really uh, opens up to this discussion in this movie, and that this is a movie about an abusive monster. Um, mm. So, like, it does feel uh, curious that this is a movie that was fully developed by them. Yeah. Um, I John Wells because the Company Men was a Weinstein movie, correct? Which had big Oscar hopes and flopped. Right. Like, flopped way worse than August Osage County flopped. Right, right, right. But, you know, clearly was someone that they had a vision for in developing his career. And yeah. I all due respect to John Wells, 
don't necessarily see why. Well, John Wells is a TV guy. John Wells right. was so successful with ER like the and West was and... well, he was the guy who was handed the West Wing after Aaron Sorkin quit slash was forced out because right. of his inability to get a script in on time and also probably drug problems. I know there was a lot of rumors around then that he was uh, on crack. Um, he he's fully said that, that he wrote the entirety of the American president while addicted to cocaine. Yeah. Um, so John Wells gets brought in. John Wells, by this point, has established himself as the ER guy. He was the guy who was sort of running that ship. ER was so successful on TV for a very long time. He gets brought in on the fifth season to do the West Wing. The West Wing flounders for a good season and a half. There are there are good. Par- I don't know. It's a longer discussion than than it needs to be in terms of like the the post Sorkin years of the West Wing. But um, I will always maintain that by that final season of the West Wing, Wells had pulled it around to something genuinely compelling with the the uh, the Jimmy Smiths, um, Alan Alda presidential election. Um, but he was a guy who just sort of like he succeeded. He had that show Third Watch that was like. Not much. Nobody talked about Third Watch. Third Watch a lot, but it lasted. I would guess that show lasted like six seasons. Let me see how se- six seasons exactly. Look at that. <laughs> um, one hundred and thirty-two uh, syndicatable episodes. So I think he was somebody who had the sort of um, the the brush of success to him, and because of that. I think, you know, companies like the Weinstein Company are like, well, we like success. And, you know, people like J.J. Abrams have been able to transfer their TV success to to film. And the thing about Wells is, as a filmmaker, he's a cipher, right? He was mm-hmm. like, he was sort of that way with television, too, right? Like, he wasn't this big authorial voice that like that was sort of one of the things about the west wing is that after sorkin left there wasn't really you were sort of dealing with the echoes of sorkin voice rather than the presence of a new voice and his movies kind of reflect that right like the company men and august osage county is an adaptation of a tracy let's play and they probably should have just let Tracy Letts, you know, work with, you know, like Friedkin again, honestly. You know what I mean? Like somebody, a filmmaker who yeah. had a a stronger, a stronger sense of a stronger voice, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because I mean, even I would argue Tracy Letts's voice is really dulled in that movie. Like that movie mm-hmm. is the most generic version of yeah. that play that you can imagine. There's like no subtext, no yeah. context. It's just people acting. Yeah. And Burnt feels that way too. Burnt feels like a Stephen Knight movie. And Stephen Knight has subsequently directed some of his movies, Serenity being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, Locke being the other one, the Tom Hardy driving in a car movie, Locke. Um, and say what you will about Stephen Knight, he has a vibe. He has a POV. And Burnt seems like that Stephen Knight vibe sort of sanded down by the professionalism of John Wells. And it's, you know, you feel bad sort of like 
docking somebody for being um, professional. But he's sort of like, that's what John Wells is. He's sort of this, like, you know, Mm -hmm. competent, good enough director that somehow the Weinstein company decided to invest these, you know, big hopeful projects. I don't think this script, ultimately, the Adam Jones of it all, was ever going to be something I would have really liked. But there are ways to approach this story that don't feel quite as intellectually dishonest as what I think this movie ultimately is, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This movie <sighs> should also be into. fun. Like, this movie so clearly wants to be, like, fun, mm-hmm. rollicking, uh, you know, you're supposed to maybe be more charmed than you ultimately are. Totally. And maybe the movie would work, uh, question mark, a little bit more if you if it was, but it... it One of the things I want to get into on the other side of the plot description is the ways that chef culture has been depicted (laughs) better on television and even in film. Um, Because, like, this is definitely a movie that is the product of a decade's worth of chef culture in our popular culture. Sort of like building up a shorthand for how we know or think we know, you know, what big genius level Michelin star, you know, chefs are like. And um I think, you know, spoiler, I think it's been done better on television. Um but before we do that, Chris, why don't we put you through the paces of describing <laughs> the plot of Burnt, you burnt um uh in 60 seconds before we do that, I'm going to give out the basics. This is the 2015 film Burnt, directed by John Wells, as we have been mentioning, written by Stephen Knight from a story by Michael Kalesnico, is how I believe I'm going to pronounce that, Uh, starring Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, Omar Sy, Daniel Bruhl, Sam Keeley, Lily James for half a second, uh, Jamie Dornan for zero seconds because he was cut out of the movie, Um, Alicia Vikander, (laughs) Matthew Reese, with Uma Thurman, and Emma Thompson, oh, as I uh, sent you that still of David Letterman last night, because all I could think of was Uma, Emma, Emma, Uma. Well, and you also sent that before I had watched the movie, so I was like, what movie is this that you're talking about that they were in together? Did How could you forget any... that Uma Thurman and Emma Thompson were in Burnt? It is conceivable that Uma Thurman is in this movie. I had no idea Emma Thompson was in this. <laughs> Granted, they both filmed for a day. A maybe? day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, they just dropped Uma in at like a food truck fair, and they 100%. were like, "Here's your lines." He's like, "Uma, try a British accent. Go!" And then like, "You're a lesbian. Then, Go." <laughs> work with it. Uh, this film premiered on October eighteenth, twenty fifteen, at the New York City Wine and Food Festival. God, the Weinstein Company were so up their own asses. Uh, before because opening they wide get it into any other. Before opening wide uh, on October 30th, also a mistake, we'll talk about it. Um, Chris, I'm going to throw 60 seconds on my little stopwatch. Oh, jeez, this is not going to (laughs) go. Are you ready to deliver the plot of Yabert? Hopefully I don't 
burn myself. Okay, ready and begin. All right, so Adam Jones is a disgraced chef. He uh, is bouncing back from uh, drug addiction, and he's like, I'm going to get a third Michelin star. So he starts recruiting, like, Ocean's Eleven style, all of these, like, new colleagues and past colleagues, including Daniel Bruhl, who is secretly gay and in love with him and will basically finance uh, everything Adam Jones needs. Uh, Uma Thurman, who is a, a lesbian critic who apparently had sex with Adam Jones and, like, now owes him or something? I don't know. And uh, Sienna Miller, who he gets fired from her restaurant so that she can be his sous chef in a new restaurant. There's also his rival, played by Matthew Reese, who I don't understand why they're rivals so much. This movie wants me to root against Matthew Reese. Fuck off. Um, And uh, Omar Sy, who he has a fight with, and then they're like, yeah, we'll work together again. Anyway, when they start up this restaurant, it totally fails, and he immediately blames Sienna Miller, including physically assaulting her in front of the entire staff. Anyway, they... uh, he. Uh, he then uh, meets uh, Alicia Vikander, who's his sister, and we learn, oh, his dad just died and was like a, a chef too. Anyway, um, he is also on the run from his previous drug lords because he owes them a bunch of money. Uh, they beat him up after he and Sienna Miller get together. Uh, and then he comes in and they uh, have, like, uh, Omar Sai leaves because he uh, basically, uh, like, sabotaged Adam with the Michelin people and then the they all get it together and Adam learns, hey, they're a family and Michelin comes and we presume that Michelin does give him his third star and then they all eat family dinner together and he is in a relationship with Sienna Miller who he previously assaulted. 40 seconds over, but you know what? There's, okay, so here's the thing about You Burnt. There is so much plot happening at in this movie at all times and it's moving at such a breakneck pace that it doesn't allow you to sit and think about how crazy every single human relationship yes. is in this movie and every yeah. development and it's like it's like four movies of plot in a hundred minutes by the time we get to the part where omar Sy after an hour and a half, reveals that he's been lying in the tall grass the whole time waiting to sabotage Adam Jones. This is, he's been working with him again for weeks, weeks, just like, and having these like little like heart to heart conversations or whatever. And all this time he was been waiting to get back at Adam Jones and certainly Adam Jones probably deserved it. And by like throwing a handful of cayenne pepper in the dish of this, these diners who they assume are uh, the Michelin judges, which they are not. Um, And it's this like completely implausible third act twist that makes absolutely no sense and only exists to like really make you a feel bad for uh adam jones and b and then he tries to kill himself in front of matthew reese and then they're friends with a sous vide bag um also if there's any character in this movie who's like low-key secretly in love with bradley cooper it's matthew reese those two have like incredible chemistry together in this movie (laughs) in a way that like god bless sienna miller like she and cooper really don't sienna miller works matthew reese movie where bradley cooper is the villain 100 percent. it's the it's it's two sides of the same coin you could you could you would probably have a slightly easier time with you know rooting for matthew reese a little bit because like you feel a little bit of sympathy for him there's absolutely no point in this movie where i've I approached even a little bit feeling bad for Adam Jones because first of all, he looks like Bradley Cooper. Second of all, he acts like Bradley Cooper. And like, you know, Bradley Cooper has this like 
he has a button, there's a switch on his back where you flip it and it goes to like cocky asshole. And like, cause he plays a cocky asshole so well right. and too well in this case where it's just like, I'm never going to root for you, dude. Certainly not after you like grab Sienna Miller by the lapels or whatever. In and like shove entire staff. Like, well, granted, we've, everybody's heard horror stories about like the high end, uh, you know, uh, cooking industry whatever we call it the restaurant industry especially like the high end and like the egos and like the artistic mindset you know that like i i am a genius so i can abuse my staff we've all heard horror stories of it but like i don't know maybe this is the last moment when we were meant to question this less because like this movie does feel like it is as plotty as it is, it is following a very familiar, like, rise and decline and rise again narrative right. that you we've seen in genres of other movies, you know. So I think to... to sports to, movies, etc. Yes, it is definitely, or a like, even like a musician biopic, you know, that very familiar say, arc. this has the same narrative arc as Nine. <laughs> kind of, yes, kind of. The thing about so the thing I think to uh, explain this is in 2000, Anthony Bourdain publishes Kitchen Confidential, which mm-hmm. kind of kicks off this this uh, conception in culture of the bad boy chef, for lack of a better term, right? Where I don't really know how, like, I mean, high end chefs before this were, I think, conceived in the popular culture as um, egotistical and high-ended and maybe a little effete. You know what I mean? Right. And then Le Poisson from (laughs) Little Mermaid. (laughs) Um, Some respect on René Auvergenois' name. (laughs) Always. But um, I think after Anthony Bourdain publishes Kitchen Confidential... There is a an understanding, at least in the popular culture, of high-end chefs now fitting this Bourdain mold, where they are they are not these refined and you know delicate people. They are hard charging, they're on drugs, they are they yell, they are mean, they are incredibly exacting, they have an incredibly like uh defined protocol in the kitchen right it's yes chef it's you know uh it's you know down the line it's everybody responding to the chef as the like master of the universe these you know these people are the kind of like you know rock and roll michael voltaggio kind of uh types of people and so this kicks off i would say two decades worth of kitchen culture and chef culture that includes things like Top Chef, which premieres in 2006. And in the beginning of Top Chef, Top Chef really leaned heavily into this idea of everybody in the kitchen is cutthroat, everybody in the kitchen is aggressive, and, and you know, innovation in, in the culinary arts is the- all about, A, like, alpha personalities and, you know... 
you don't have to be a man, but you have to be as aggro as possible. You know what I mean? Like, you know, whether the men, the women, whatever, everybody is like incredibly aggressive. And the uh, backlash that, to the Marcel of it all, I think, proved a real pivot point for the show. Sort of, Early, except for the fact that like, like there, that show keeps going through these like through many, many seasons of like really casting incredibly aggro people up until maybe only like five or six years ago i would say um but it's like it's a it's a spectrum rarely rewarding those people that's fair that's fair um although again michael voltaggio does win season six what season is that that was definitely after marcel um but then you get stuff like Hell's Kitchen, which premieres in 2005, the Gordon Ramsay of it all, right? This sort of, like, exaggerated, almost, like, cartoonishly demanding uh, person who yells all the time, you know? And they're this just, a- like, fighting for, like, what? A slot in, like, the cook line of his restaurant, and it's, right. like, these are, like, Waffle House chefs. Right. Uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations premieres in 2005. Bourdain, of course, is a really interesting figure in that he starts off with this Kitchen Confidential. Kitchen Confidential, by the way, I should mention, uh, was turned into a very short-lived TV show on Fox where Bradley Cooper starred in the main role as the uh, Anthony Bourdain analog. So that's interesting. Um, But Bourdain's career and sort of like conception and popular culture begins as this very sort of this particular portrait of uh, the chef but of course he wrote kitchen confidential from the other end of it right from the other from the other side of this uh, uh experience and he kind of evolves into a kind of a benevolent figure while still being like you know Tetchy and and you know his very his particular own self right, but he's somebody who defines this more expansive view of being a chef in the culinary arts and and he's you know taking people through this show to all these different corners of the world and and trying things out and he has a very sort of kind of generous philosophy about food. Um, ultimately. Uh, gone too soon and 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 took his own life uh a few years ago which is very sad um and then you get movies like john favreau's chef which is the reason why this movie uh adam or uh burnt uh isn't called food truck chef culture right well food truck culture but also this idea of the burnout chef who comes back which is very applicable to this movie the guy who sort of you know has to rebound because he he uh aggroed his way out of a job right the beginning of of john favreau's chef he gets so pissed off at a critic that he like makes this big old scene throwing plates and whatnot and and that is the culture that burnt sort of that's the that's the bedrock that that burnt kind of builds on top of. And so by the time we get to burnt, we're 15 years into the kitchen confidential era of this kind of thing. And what I think is really interesting, and I'm going to let you talk in a minute when I stop monologuing. um, (laughs) Do you watch the bear? I have not watched season two. Season two rules. I was Um, very, I was very behind on season one and then watched it all in a night. And that's just what I'm going to be with season two. Yeah, some people say season one was better. Some people like season two better. I think season two builds on season one in almost every way. Um, 
And I've heard of some cameos that I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate this. It's one episode and you take it with a grain of salt. There are there are certain cameos I think that you will really like anyway. um, But I think something like the bear represents an evolution past something like burnt that knows that it's not enough just to be like this chef was on drugs. This chef is going <laughs> to throw plates like this chef is going to like there are elements of that in the bear. But the bear is sort of in conversation with that and being like, what? You know, how does a person who sort of falls into this like high end, you know, pressures of the kitchen trap crawl his way out of that to build something more fulfilling and, you know, no pun intended, nourishing and kind of uh, how can this person go from this this sort of New York City kitchen where it's every man for himself and you have to like this kind of Ayn Randian climb up a ladder to impress your, uh, you know, the head chef and the bear is like, what if you took those skills that you have honed and you're so talented with and built something that felt more like family? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I like that show so much. And that and and to me, lining up the bear and burnt side by side, which I know that like they're seven years apart and whatever, but it really shows that like burnt was at the tail end of a one certain concept of this and the bear feels like it's if not at the beginning near the beginning of like our next conception of this 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 the bear fits in better with what top chef is now you know what i mean sure i also think the bear takes place on planet earth and burnt takes place on neptune Um, also that yeah the bear never has someone uh in a sensible blouse saying I tell myself, Simone, you're a lesbian. Why did you have sex with Adam Jones? Like, okay, we need to talk about that Uma Thurman scene entirely. <laughs> so I love the way you put it that Adam Jones goes around like Ocean's Eleven assembling his team, where it's like he just stops people at food trucks and is like, you, I'm going to bully you for a minute. Now you can be on my team. Yeah, but let me sleep like, in your apartment first. It, it's both shocking that anyone was cut out of this movie and that and yeah. also that more people weren't cut out of this movie because it does definitely feel like a movie that was troubled in the editing room and they got it down to its bare bones to the point where the movie makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you have Uma Thurman showing up for a scene who's significant later in a tangential way. Very tangential. But not really. So why mm. is that scene in this movie, especially because it makes for even more weird gay stuff in this movie? It's The scene is, exists in the movie, though, because all of those earlier scenes are about him recruiting a team, but they're also about burnishing this legend of him as this, like, every single person for the first 20 minutes of this movie who he talks to, he, like essentially is like, here's why you're wrong about everything about cooking, why you don't have, you know, you don't have the right attitude. You need to have arrogance or you need to, he tells the, the, the kid on the street with the street cart that he needs to have arrogance. He tells Sienna Miller that she needs to have humility. And he, as everything they, every way they answer him about his little, like 
probing questions is like, here's what you should have said to me. You should have said blah, 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 because like, that's the cool way to answer these things. And he's just, every one of those scenes is about how cool he is and how Mm -hmm. much of a like next level genius, you know, culinary thinker he is and how the people that he's meeting with buy into this legend like oh my god that's adam jones it made me think of like it's the the heterosexual reverse of all the of the tweets you see where people are like gay men on twitter will be like oh my god she's so mother and post a photo and girl that's just emily like (laughs) this movie it felt like oh my god he's a legend he's He's a culinary genius and it's girl, just Adam it's just Jones. Adam. Like, <laughs> it's... Yeah. It, it, the movie, the first half of this, the first half hour of this movie is so insufferable, where he is Ocean's mm. Elevening, you know, his rivals and his kitchen. Yeah. Of, like, these repetitive scenes of, like, what you're describing, but mostly just constantly setting up his notoriety in Mm -hmm. a way that's like we get it but that's why the uma thurman scene is there is like he's such a badass like kick-ass chef that he could even get this lesbian restaurant critic to sleep with him because he's (laughs) that fucking hot and um i'm genuinely surprised that emma thompson's character doesn't end up sleeping with him too because like that feels like you know everybody wants to fuck this guy emma thompson who is in the movie because daniel Bruhl's like yes i will fund you but you gotta go to a therapist who will also manually who will uh, drug, give test you you. drug testing throughout and emma thompson then is there to uh you know. is she strictly speaking a therapist though or is she just like Drug testing I mean, him she and then like functions as one in their scenes, right? But I don't I know if she no technically is him, one, like going right. and giving blood or peeing in a cup or something. Right, she functions narratively as one, but I don't know if she strictly speaking is one. Um, the other thing is that, and we see this in the Matthew Reese scene when he Matthew Reese was his old rival who he used to work alongside, and it was what this very sort of like once brothers kind of a thing, right? And um, this is where he gets to one of the many venues in which he gets to espouse his sort of culinary uh, opinions. He hates sous vide so much. He hates, of course, it's this very sort of pig thing, you know, the big, the the big Nicolas Cage scene in the movie Pig, where uh, he basically like dismantles that one guy's entire sense of self because he's a pretentious um chef who has no actual soul in his cooking and cooper sort of attempts to do that with the matthew reese character by you know talking about this and it's of course it's this like gleaming white cafeteria looking you know restaurant everything seems plausibly pretentious um he he wants to bring back these sort of like old style uh, cooking you know techniques and like it's so annoying where like even the sienna miller character will be like you know what we call the frying pan drawer the museum like nobody cooks with frying pans (laughs) nobody like like cooks with like flame and fire and like everybody wants to make uh, you know uh, uh, little sciencey dishes like it's very much that uh conception of Adam Jones wants to make real food, and these little pansy asses want to, like, boil fish in bags. And who do you want to eat your food from? Would you want to eat these little food in bag, little, you know, uh, 
hoity-toity, whatever? Or do you want, like, Adam Jones to sizzle you up a steak? And, I don't know, it's just... um, And eventually, in one of the movie's 15 montages, we see that they do start doing sous-vide. Yeah. Yes. The the amount of B-roll in this movie, for this movie that clearly is, like... A kitchen movie's always gonna have so much B-roll, yeah. There is so much B-roll in this movie that it, I found it rather shocking. Here's what I want to ask you, Chris. And you, I'm pretty sure, have a more adventurous palate than me. But for a movie about cooking and a kitchen and a chef and, like... I don't want to eat this any movie, of this food. Did this movie make you, like, hungry at all? It did not... It, That's, like, even the, the sole cake, job of a food movie. Even and the I cake... I couldn't care about this food wasn't filmed in a way that made me be like, oh my god, I gotta have a piece of that cake. Um, the cake that he makes to ingratiate himself daughter. into Santa Miller's daughter's uh, good graces. Um, yeah, because he's a good guy now. He made her a cake. He's there's a no guy. there's no moment in this movie that like shows off the food in a way where like, like even the menu. The menu's another movie, by the way, that like really, uh, that plays into this like post- post-chef culture, where now at least that movie paints that kind of chef as like, what if that person tried to kill everybody? Um, so Yet we are definitely... that is very lucky to have the genius of Hong Chao uh, in its presence to elevate it however it can. But even the menu, where he's trying to kill people, at many moments in that movie, I'm like, oh, I would eat that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I would enjoy that. And just, Burnt I mean, has none even, of that. Even Hannibal... Uh-huh. Like the TV yes. show where it's like, this is people. Uh, and you're yep, like, yep. that but, looks delicious. But he served them so appetizingly. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. I want to take a quick break and get into this game that I have made for us. Um, oh. Usually we wait too long to do the game and then we end up doing like the mid show game right before uh, uh, IMDb game. And it's like game on game by the end. All right. Um we talked about how this movie was originally titled Chef, and then John Favreau made his chef. And so they're like, well, we'll title it Adam Jones. And then for a while it was untitled, and then it ended up uh, as burnt. But it was Adam Jones long enough that there were posters for it. And the funny thing about that was it's very like she's everything, he's just Adam Jones. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's 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 just the most generic name. It genuinely is. So I do maybe need an Adam Jones poster just for the hundred percent. I would like that. I would want that. Yes. Um, but Jones is obviously a very generic surname and I decided to go into the annals of movie history and pick out other movie characters whose last name was Jones and have you try and guess them from their quotes from the movie. So here's what this game, we're going to call this game, I Don't Know This Jones from Adam. And the <laughs> there will be 11 questions. And with each question, you'll get one quote from the movie. If you can't guess who it is from that quote, you'll get a second quote. The second quote's usually more pointed than the other. If you can't get it from that, you'll get the performer. So you have three chances to get this right, Chris. Do you know where the toilets are? <laughs> it's Bridget Jones. I would like you to not get ahead of yourself here, Chris, all right? Just saying. I'm Just giving saying. an example. It's a good example. Thank you. All right, question number one. 
The quote, your first quote is, Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it, no matter what happens. This is Indiana Jones and this Raiders Indiana of the Lost Jones. Ark. Yes. Do you want to have a guess at what my second quote would have been? Uh, I hate snakes. It is snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yes. Yeah. All right. Question number two. By the way, they're starting easy. Um, that first one was easy on purpose. Question two. The first quote is... I've got to leave my job because I shagged my boss. That is Bridget Jones. That is Bridget Jones. Would you like to guess what the second quote would have been on that one? Um, And Lord Archer, yours aren't bad either. No, but that would have been a good one. Uh, If staying here means working within 10 yards of you, frankly, I'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass. Um, Renee Zell. Exactly. Then you would have started singing Aretha Franklin. All right. Um, all right. Question number three. Your first quote is The world's greatest terrorist running around with six kilos of weapons grade plutonium can't be good. I got to get it back or someone's going to have my ass. A terrorism movie. Weapons grade plutonium only happens in comedies. So I think this is a comedy. Uh, second quote. Second quote. Is it about time to unwrap your present? Oh. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a clue. Is it about time to unwrap your present? Oh, is this like Santa Jones? It is not. Would you like the performer? Yes. Denise Richards. Oh, this is Christmas Jones. Dr. Christmas Jones. Dr. Christmas Jones from what movie? Uh, The World is Not Enough. Not not a comedy. There we go. All right. Okay, question four. Your first quote is, it's the only way to leave. I don't love you anymore. Goodbye. Oh. um, Oh, I don't know. Uh, Next quote. Next quote. Lying's the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, but it's better but it's if you do. it's more fun if you do. This is uh, Madonna and Dick Tracy. No, it's no. not Madonna and Dick Tracy. No. She says something like that, I think. Hold on. She says something akin to that, but this is a different quote. This is... Um... No, it's not Roger Rabbit. Um... Is it? Is it's Catherine not Roger Turner? Rabbit. No. no. Uh, um, okay who's the performer performer is natalie portman oh it is um this is closer closer uh she has like four names in this movie jane jones jane jones plain jane jones yep yep very good all right next (laughs) not not jessica rabbit (laughs) right kind of uh all right question number five quote one Study, when you grow up on the wrong side of the digestive tract, you ain't got no money for no fancy schools. Uh, what? Wrong side of the digestive tract? This Osmosis Jones? It is Osmosis Jones! (laughs) Well done! Good job! Who voices Osmosis Jones? Chris Rock. Chris Rock voices Osmosis Jones. Okay, next one. Question six, quote one, I'm not skin and bones. In fact, I'm remarkably fat. I'm not skin and bones. I'm Jones. Uh, 
I don't know this. Next quote. Next quote. No commonplace mouses have such well-cut trousers. Bustopher Jones. Bustopher Jones from... Cats. From Cats, played by James Corden. Okay, next one. Quote number one. Do you fear death? Um... Uh, Grim Reaper Jones. Uh, next quote. All right, next quote. Ten years I looked after those who died at sea, and finally, when we could be together again, you weren't there. It's Davy Jones. This is Davy Jones from? Uh, Dead Man's Chest. Uh, I got the quotes from At World's End, but yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, At World's End. Do Voiced by, death? or played by? Uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye, yes. All right, next one. How many times do I have to tell you there's no such thing as ghouls, ghosts, goblins, or monsters? Oh, this is like not Casper. <sighs> Next Casper one. Jones. Next quote. Look, I'm a man of substance. Dorky chicks like you turn me on too. <laughs> This is like this is like a Crumholtz character. Um so like someone horny trying to disprove the existence of ghosts or something. Uh Beetlejuice Jones. Um <laughs> Who's the performer? Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, is this from Scooby-Doo? Is yes. he Freddie Jones? I Fred did not Jones. know that he had a last name. Fred's last name in Scooby-Doo is Jones. Fred Jones. Yes. All right. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. from Scooby-Doo. Okay. Question number nine. Quote one. I mean, it's kind of obvious. What? I uh, mean, it's kind of obvious. Next quote. <laughs> next quote. You're telling us what to do, even though it was your spell that got screwed up, meaning that all of this is kind of your mess. You know, I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Okay, so a witch movie. This isn't like Sandra Bullock Jones. This isn't Nicole Kidman Jones. Is it Feruza? It's not Feruza Balk Jones. It's not. Uh, what other witch movie? Mm. Who's the performer? Zendaya. Oh. She was a witch in something? Who was she a witch? Say I the question. She again. was a witch. I mean, it's kind of obvious, is the first one. The second one is you're telling us what to do, even though it was your spell that got screwed up, meaning that all of this is kind of your mess. You know, I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Where are their spells in a Zendaya movie? It's not like Marie Jones. It's not uh, Malcolm and not Marie Jones. What's her? She's Ch- uh, Chani in Dune. Chani, Chani Jones. Jones. <laughs> Chani Jones sounds like a, a TV judge. <laughs> um, uh, the Jenny Jones show replaced by the Chani Jones show. <laughs> Um, what of her? You're, you're missing my... a big chunk of her uh, of her career. What, what... Is, it a, is it Disney related? Related? Like, why did she get that role in Dune? Because she what, slays. What? 
What? Well, yes, but what launched her to that level? I am legitimately blanking, and I know it's embarrassing. Who's she dating? Who was she? Oh, oh, is this? Oh, this is like Spider Man. Yes, yes, she is. No, but she's Mary Jane. No, in those movies, she's MJ, but the MJ stands for Michelle Jones. That's that's not even fair. Sorry. Sorry. They changed her name? God, those yeah. guys are stupid. Um, All right. Question 10. Uh, those quotes, by the way, were from Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, or no, wait. Those were from Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, question 10. Now that was a crime, you purse-grabbing pukes. And this is the penalty. Catwoman Jones. Um... <laughs> So who's grabbing purses in movies? So who's gra- getting their purse grabbed? Who grabs purses nowadays? Second quote. God, I hate punkers, especially bald ones with green makeup who wear masks over ugly faces. <laughs> is that what is what is uh, Cameron Diaz's character name? Is it like Amber Jones? Sunshine Jones? It's got a, it's the mask. It's Cameron Diaz's mask. The, it's not the mask. No. It's then not. who is bald and green? Who indeed? I don't know. Uh, who's the performer? Elias Coteus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so not Cameron Diaz. Bald and green with Mr. Coteus. Um there is a movie in theaters right now that definitely relates to this. Oh, so there's like some type of... Fr- oh, is it like... No, the Hulk isn't bald. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Who does he play in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I haven't seen that movie since I was six years old. Um, he plays Casey Jones in sure. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sure. All right. Final question. Question 11. The first quote is, now why would Liza agree to this? <laughs> uh, Liza being, uh, this is Samantha Jones. This is Samantha Jones from Sex, Sex in the, in the City, City 2. Would you like to guess what my second quote was? Uh, Lawrence of My Labia? <laughs> of course it was Lawrence of My Labia. Yes. Yeah. Kim Cattrall, triumphant as Samantha Jones in Sex in the City 2. That was... I don't know this Jones from Adam. Well done, Christopher File. You burnt! Everybody stop what you're doing. Knives down. Hands up. Uh, what does Padma say when when uh, when time is up? And Hands up. Fire? Utensils down. Utensils down. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'm already missing Padma Lakshmi from the Top Chef universe. It's what is Chef Melissa going to say? Chef Melissa is going to have to come up with their own, <laughs> you know, uh, catchphrases. Indeed. All right. Um, but anyway, take a pause from uh, remembering the fantastic movie that is burnt because we're here to offer you one last reminder about the Vulture Movie Fantasy League before rosters lock down. You have until September 28th to draft your team. I... I, who have been cautioning as much as anybody to, you know, hold your horses and wait for information before you draft your team, that time has passed. You have all the information you're going to have. The fall festivals have 
revealed themselves to you? What 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 are the big what's the big news out of the fall festivals as far as the as far as the fantasy league goes, Chris? American fiction, People's American Choice fiction, winner? big news, winning the People's Choice out of TIFF. That's uh, a five dollar buy. Could be five dollar buy. Could be attractive. Uh, Same thing uh, with poor things. I would say the Venice winner. Ten dollar buy. Ten dollar buy. These are uh, these are. I'm gonna. I, I think one of my upcoming newsletters is just gonna be like, here's everything that I got wrong when I did the pricing guide before we launched. And listen, that was always gonna happen. You know what I mean? I was doing as much guesswork as anybody else is. Poor uh, things valuing... was originally a September release, which didn't bode well for its chances initially. Listen, we all had to make our guesses. I uh, overvalued things like Lee and Fingernails and undervalued things like American Fiction and Poor Things. But you can take advantage of that. And this still without distribution, Lee. Not a soul talked about that movie at Toronto, by the way. I did not hear a soul. I heard uh, some people say that it was bad and not interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you have until September 28th to draft your team. Uh, do it. You should, if you are listening to this, uh, make your league All of Us Garys, where you can uh, play along with everybody who listens to our fine podcast. That's All of Us Garys, all one word. Uh, uh, capitalize all the words in All of Us Garys and all one word. We'll figure it out. Do not worry. If you have entered your team and you put spaces in all of us, Gary's, don't worry. We're going to fix it. All the fine people at Vulture are uh, are not here to um, disqualify ballots with hanging chads. We are we are seeing intent. This is a very timely reference that I Despite am making right now. Despite us telling you every episode uh, how to do it and what to enter. Listen, sometimes you're in the heat of the moment, you're filling out a ballot, things get crazy. I get it. But anyway, if you are fretting about that, do not fret. We'll take care of everything. Everything will be fine. You'll be able to compete among your fellow Garys. So, um, yeah, we also, I should say, uh, in, in the efforts to include as many movies as possible as they arose during festival season, we did add Hitman last week as a $5 buy. I should say, before you all go running to draft Hitman, even though it's great, uh, we still don't know whether it's going to be released in 2023. Netflix bought it. Netflix has a lot of things going on between now and the end of the year. It seems just as likely that they'll release it in the spring as it is that they'll release it by the end of the year. So buyer beware in that one. Um, a little more certain is Netflix's American Symphony, which is the documentary about John Batiste, which they have pretty much declared their intention to campaign that for awards, for documentary awards. And Netflix does well when campaigning for documentary awards. So we put well that one. Well received out of Telluride. That'll be a $3 buy. That's one to keep an eye on, I think, if I were uh, if I were you. And yeah, what else do we have to say, Chris, besides go and go and draft that team if you haven't already? Uh, this episode is dropping Monday. That leaves you until Thursday. Yes, to draft your team, and we want to see punny, fun uh, league names. Once or not league names. That's you know. Yeah, uh, your uh, team name names. is all your of display us, name. All your display cares. name is is where you have little individualized fun. I will we'll relate tell you next week what ours are. I'll relate the sad tale of punctuation because uh, our fields do not allow special characters, and that's kind of ruined my joke but it's fine it's fine umlaut it's fine i can live without a umlaut um yeah 
I would say if you're anything like me, maybe don't even wait till the 28th because like I am a forgetful queen. And uh, uh, sometimes when I leave things to the last minute, uh, that deadline passes me by. So do it um, right now. Do it now. In fact, we'll be back for you. How do you think it's getting burnt? Because it's left on the stove. That's true. Inattentively. Your team. Don't. It's burnt. Don't get burnt. Get burnt. Don't have us texting you. The Jane Krakowski a clip from 30 Rock that I had to crop because on one side of her was Tucker Carlson and on the other side was Chris Matthews. So I had to crop that, that screenshot very tightly. So it was just Jenna Maroney saying, you burnt. Don't get burnt. Back to burnt. You burnt. Should we talk <sighs> about Bradley Cooper? How was that? Wait, how was that game? How did you that like was that hard? Game? That was a very good. Hard I was worried it was going to be too easy in parts. So um, I'm glad there were hard things as well. I love that I immediately got Osmosis Jones, <laughs> yes. uh, Bustopher Jones, and Samantha Jones. Yeah. Uh, the only Joneses. Uh, Three I've people who haven't been in your kitchen yet. Um, let's talk about Bradley Cooper. So, uh, Burnt Already opens... had four Oscar nominations at this point, which is kind of wild, because yeah. you would think at this point in his career, unless, you know, he thought that this would be some type of, you know, comedy, mid-sized hit potential. Yeah. This this feels beneath him at this well, stage. Well, he career. signs on to this movie, wa- like, between Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle. Uh, he's, he's, I think, still making American Hustle when he signs on to this movie. Um, and, but he was, he was already lined up for American Sniper, although at that point, American Sniper was going to be directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, and so he's, he's sort of in the midst of this like crazy run. He was also, uh, lined up to make, uh, Aloha, which at that point was an untitled Cameron Crowe movie. So like he was working a lot. He was also, uh, trying to put together what would ultimately be his performance of the elephant man on Broadway. So like Bradley's Bradley's working. Bradley is acting like somebody who spent the aughts um, trudging through, like trying to break out of TV shows like alias and trying to find a career for himself. And he's, you know, the, the, the heavy and wedding crashers and uh, he's in the hangover and all of a sudden the hangover happens and he's like, now all of a sudden he's a hot property and he's acting like somebody who sort of like Amy Adams. Remember when Amy Adams just took every role because like it finally happened for me. Like <laughs> I, I gotta, and Bradley Cooper, I think is going through Bradley Cooper and Amy Adams, careers are actually a really interesting thing to compare to each other because it feels like, they both had a similar thing of like spending a decade in these really mid-level things. And like, there was really not much of an expectation that they were going to break out of that, despite the fact that like, they're so talented and so beautiful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, I gotta say the picket pictures of Amy Adams with the human sign God bless that her. are happening this week. I gotta say, I know I I would have been this way if Night Bitch was opening this year, but yeah. like, let's get these things out of the way, and next year, she's back. It's all about she's back, baby. She is she's back next year. Cannot wait for Night Bitch. 
Are they going to release that theatrical? Heller being to uh, you know collaborating on a movie is something I think we all want and suspect will be good for the culture. Yes, I I can't wait for Amy Adams. Will they release Night Bitch theatrically? I mean, I hope so. The Andrew Hay was they've been moving in the direction towards doing more of that and like doing fewer movies that just like premiere. Although they did that with fucking boston strangler but maybe they only do that maybe it's like maybe direct to streaming will just become what direct to video was which is right we think this movie's not very good we're gonna put it direct to streaming um unless you're like netflix obviously who doesn't do theatrical but um but so bradley cooper yes bradley cooper at this point he was nominated in 2012 for best actor for silver linings playbook where do you Somewhat think he surprisingly, finished? because people people thought that he would be just on the outside of that nomination, and when it happened, I thought he really deserved it. But people were a little yeah. surprised. Well, because he had never been nominated before, and he was not somebody who people really thought of as it's an Oscar caliber actor by that point. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis was never not going to win that Oscar for Lincoln, even though yeah. he had already won two. But it was undeniable. I kind of think Cooper may have finished second in the voting that year. What do you think? Okay, so it's those two. Who who were the other three? I've got it in the outline, but it's Hugh Jackman oh, okay. and Les Mis, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in The Master, and Denzel Washington in Flight. Um, I think it's possible he was second. I mean, there was a lot of heat around Hugh Jackman. For a there while. was some... it was him or Hugh Jackman, but I'm inclined to believe it was Hugh Jackman. Uh, my thinking is. There was a while there where it felt like Silver Linings Playbook was going to make an end run for Best Picture. And because it was Argo's nominated, but Affleck wasn't nominated, so is Argo weaker. Uh, Lincoln had its Lincoln problems, which was essentially, um, we knew this was going to be good, so we're not surprised that it's good. You know, that yeah. was basically the big Lincoln problem, was that, like, there was no way to impress people because the expectations were so high. And an um, acting nomination in every category for Silver Linings Playbook looks like a lot of yeah. support for that movie. Ang Lee was a big contender actors. for Life of Pi and Best Director, but they were never going to give Life of Pi Best Picture. So it felt for a second that, like, and people were like, oh, here comes Harvey again. Harvey is going to make it happen for Silver Linings Playbook, and it's going to be this sort of, like, late-breaking winner. And that didn't happen. But I feel like because of that, I would imagine that Cooper's vote totals were probably jacked up by that point. Possibly. Yeah. That was a $100 Uh, million movie. It was, yes. Yeah. And it won Jennifer Lawrence and Oscar. Um got four acting nominations in all four categories. Like, yeah. that's amazing. All right. Speaking of acting nominations in all four categories, American Hustle comes along the very next year and uh, gets 10 nominations. Doesn't win any, but it gets 10 nominations. He loses Best Supporting Actor to... And that's a bo- that's one of those borderline supporting actors where, like, he's kind of a co-lead. There's like three leads in that movie. It's Bale and Adams and Cooper, as far as I'm concerned. But he gets sort of pushed down to supporting, and he loses to Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. Where would you imagine that Cooper finished in that lineup? Fifth. You think so? Yeah. Who, where would you, so rank him? 
My guess would probably be Fastbender second, Market Abdi third, Jonah Hill fourth, and then Fastbender nominated for Twelve Years a Slave, Barkat Abdi nominated yeah. for Captain Phillips, Jonah Hill nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. Why did I yes. do that? Sorry, I put the wrong person in there. <laughs> um, and Jonah Hill, I feel like, was fourth place because Jonah Hill was the kind of late arrival, but had a lot of support for that performance. I guess so. I guess that's right. He was the definitely the late arrival. I mean, that's another one where like Jared Leto was kind of the assumed winner for that whole mm-hmm. season, kind of, once it happened. Uh, it's funny. It's, it's Those are the funny ones where you look back and you're like, huh, that just kind of sailed right through, huh? Just Jared Leto winning an Oscar. All right. Um, <laughs> I think Cooper's good in American Hustle. That is, that's a movie that I run very hot and cold on. And he's not one of my favorite performances in that movie, but he's not one of my least favorite performances in that movie, if that makes sense. I don't. Underst- I I was never really on board with Christian Bale getting no, award nominations for that I was movie, not but I think maybe Christian Bale I like better than Bradley Cooper in that movie. Though I do think Bradley Cooper is very funny in that movie. He is funny. That's I mean that's such a weird movie. Maybe I owe it a rewatch. I just I still stand by thinking Amy Adams is great, even though people think she's bad because they have accent issues, which. That's, I think the accent is intentional. Yeah, it's baked in. That's, uh, you know. Yeah. It's about the, you know, mutability or, you know, transformation of yeah. identity and persona. And, like, yes. I, yeah, I think, I think she is so good as to head and shoulders elevate that movie. I have been on the record saying I think Jennifer Lawrence is kind of embarrassing in that movie, but... Disagree. She does have like one or two scenes that are so entertaining, like Science Oven, that it sort of makes up for it. <laughs> I don't think she's embarrassing. I feel like I think she's given a task that she shouldn't have been given. That's probably true. Um, I'm I'm sure that there's a character actress who could give a performance, yeah, even better than that. Who is you know the right age, but let Catherine Hahn play that role and see it sing. <laughs> um. But Science Oven is a legitimately hilarious scene. So, yeah. and I say thank God for me all the time. <laughs> so, um, that's that's not for nothing. I also think Jeremy Renner is really good in that movie. I have to say, in his in his little role. Yeah, weird yeah. movie. Didn't really like it. Um, and then he's nominated for the third straight year for not only producing American Sniper but starring in it as well. Um, loses to Eddie Redmayne in The Theory of Everything. Everybody assumes, and I do as well, that Michael Keaton was a close second place for Birdman. And yet, I do think if American Sniper had another week or two in its campaign, I I stand by saying Bradley Cooper would probably have an acting Oscar. You think so? I do, because that movie made so much money. Yes, it did. And was a phenomenon. It was finally the time that like Bradley Cooper is amassing these acting nominations. And I think even people, myself included, who really didn't like that movie have yeah. 
very positive things to say about his performance. Do you think it's that by the time that movie became such a financial success that the conversation in Best Actor had so calcified around Redmayne versus Keaton that there was that people didn't have time to change their conception of it? Maybe. And I maybe perhaps wrongly question if Michael Keaton was in second place at all because Birdman was winning so much and it's like part of the reason why I think Bradley Cooper was second place and could have you know given more time in the campaign uh won that award because like yeah they gave American Sniper like what one of the sound Oscars and it just feels like they would have if that campaign had had more time to cook they would have been looking to reward that movie elsewhere, and I think Bradley Cooper is the... I just think the fact that Birdman won Best Picture means that there would probably have been a lot of people voting for Michael Keaton, because they just would have voted for both of them. I think there are some people... I mean, there should have been. He spread, it. There are some people who spread the wealth with their Oscar votes, but there are a lot of people who just like, I like this movie, I'm going to vote for all of this movie. So, um, who knows? But yeah, so that's... he's he's. Career-wise, he's got how many producing nominations uh, for Best Picture? It's American Sniper, it's Nightmare Alley, it's... Star is Born. Star is Born, right. Um, a prolific producer. Uh, I imagine he's a producer on Maestro as well, because he's directing it. So that's another producing uh, nomination that's on the on the board I'm pulling this up for because him. I think there's another one we're not mentioning, and it might be a movie he wasn't in. I love when actors are nominated for producing movies they're not in. It's genuinely one of my most favorite Oh, yes, films. yes, it's Joker. Yes, you're totally right, because of him and Todd Phillips, uh, uh, their professional relationship. Yes. Um, the abysmal and embarrassing Joker. Yeah. So, a lot of nominations for Bradley Cooper. He's got Maestro coming out. We've seen the teaser. I loved the teaser. What did you think of the Maestro teaser? I don't think we've talked about this. I thought it was good, and I think we need to bring back the teaser. One million percent we do. Absolutely. I loved it. I think it's incredibly intriguing. I am very excited to see the movie. It just feels like a real contender from this stage. And I uh, I would say so, and like partly because the controversy around that movie... Any movie, like, right or wrong, that stirs up that much controversy, especially that quickly, this is over the nose, which, like, I'm not a Jewish person. I don't feel like I can necessarily contribute much to this conversation. But, like, any movie that garners that level of controversy does always feel like a frontrunner because there are many movies often that have, like, rightful things for people to be upset about, but people don't necessarily pile on. And it's because, like nobody really sees them as worthy of, you know. I have two thoughts on this. One of which is, if you're not subscribed to Fran Hoffner's newsletter, you should do that. She uh, she gave an assessment of the Maestro trailer that is second to none. I will accept no commentary on Bradley Cooper from anybody except for Fran Hoffner for the rest uh, of this Oscar season. God bless Fran Mag. Uh, everybody go subscribe to Fran Magazine. Um, 100%. Second of all, I think it's very beneficial for Maestro that their controversy played out at the teaser stage so that by the time the movie actually opens, that controversy, controversy, probably, but that one at least is old news and nobody's going to want to talk about it anymore. So 
Uh, I also don't think I know you're bra- you're bracing for queer controversy. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be as much queer controversy as uh, I mean. Think. You can always kind of anticipate it, at least from queer critics and queer viewers. So I it's think like there's... it may not be the mainstream controversy for this movie, but I, I do think it's probably coming. But like, there is a certain thing of like there are there are legitimately bad and toxic things about some movies that it's like people either just accept or don't want to talk about because they think that that movie's just gonna die and go away anyway. Well, so. but I also feel like I think with with queer controversies, my conception of them is you get them more, much more fervently on movies that are at the level of um, Red, White, and Royal Blue than you would get them at the level of Maestro. I would even say that, like, you'll get more queer controversy in a movie like Saltburn, if Saltburn has, like, homoeroticism, but, like, you know, plays around with it. I don't know. I feel like there are... I think a movie like Call Me By Your Name attracts controversy because, like... Timmy Chalamet then becomes like the hot young thing. You know what I mean? Whereas like or age age gap discourse type of things. But like right. I also think that straight culture, straight people are more willing to just accept something on its face when it's queer or queer adjacent in uh especially like an awardsy movie. Yeah. And it's, you know, gay people who actually want to like talk about it and dissect things. I, I yes. My hope, maybe I'm being a little naive. My hope is that the people who end up talking about Maestro are smart, and that the people who <laughs> and, you know what I mean that like there's that maybe it'll. This keep is why everybody needs to go read Fran Hoffner. Lady Gaga's not in this movie, so like maybe like some of the like dum dums will stay away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know. Prove me wrong. Uh, people you know what i mean though you know what i, I mean like i do okay. i do okay. i do all right so what else can we talk about? we talked about chef culture we talked about bradley cooper let's talk about Stephen uh, knight okay yes yeah, Stephen knight creator of uh cultural menace and gift to those of us who love smooth brain insanity serenity okay you're just gonna jump right to serenity you i'm gonna give you your your serenity corner and then i'm gonna do a more like timeliney thing about Stephen Knight. Listeners, I am not prone to telling you to stop listening to an episode and go <laughs> jump on something. If you do, please come back and listen to the rest of the conversation. If you haven't seen Serenity, or e- whether or not you've had Serenity spoiled for you, you have to see it. Serenity, it feels like we don't really get many of these anymore, though I hear Hypnotic is like this. The Ben Affleck, Robert Rodriguez movie Hypnotic is okay. of this variety. All right. Serenity, you kind of watch it on its face as the movie is playing out. It's it's very strange. It's very clear that there is something going on in terms of the reality of this movie. That's not all that it appears to be. But there's like... Weird graphic sex in this movie. Matthew McConaughey is naked quite a bit. It plays out like this weird noir happening on like a beach island setting. Uh, There is a side quest where Matthew McConaughey has sex with Diane Lane. Diane Lane, who is like perpetually a woman in a window, uh, but like seaside. And there's like 
mystery involved. And then when you get to the twist of what is happening in this movie, which I believe, if I remember correctly, is delivered via um, Jeremy Strong. Or Jeremy, Jeremy Strong, Strong is in this movie. Jeremy Strong, whose function in that movie is to uh, enforce the rules of the very yes. highly structured... Is his character the rules? Like, his name is the rules or something like At that? At some point, he says, like... I am. I am like he, he has like he has a he has an I think he has like a a moniker he goes by but uh, yes it's, uh, he is essentially the rules yeah. and the twist basically turns out like that thing in your brain where you were like this is like watching X and at the end you turn out oh no it's X yeah it is. So, by which you mean it's it feels like you're on drugs while you're watching it is why you're saying yes, yes. this feels like X. <laughs> it is so stupid. It is absolutely <laughs> stupid, but it's created great. with everyone involved with complete emotional investment and conviction. Mm-hmm. It is the reason why I say that Anne Hathaway is the greatest camp performer of our lifetime, and I mean it. Yes, um, because Anne Hathaway is tasked with doing the stupidest shit in this movie and saying 100%. 100%. the stupidest shit. It's so good. And she get, she turns it into gold. I mean, I, I listen, I will forever stump for Annie Hathaway. Um, <laughs> I will be stumping for her this year for her performance in Eileen, which I think is a tremendous uh, performance on her part. Um, Speaking of Annie going uh, to, to the, the extreme for her performance. Uh, she's, she's so good. She's perfect in that movie. Yeah. Um, written and directed by Stephen Knight was like... Okay, so when that movie came out, that movie came out in like spring of 2019? It's early. It's like, I even want to say like, maybe even February? January. And I feel like we were it's among a January the... film, my yeah. friend. Yeah. And it it had this kind of immediate bomb and then like creeping boost of people being like, oh no. And that Everyone turnaround happened kind of quickly. Thing. It was like two weeks of people being like, that movie sucks. And then like pretty quickly people were like, or oh, it's brilliant. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it is both the worst thing and a brilliant thing at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, and of course it was like us, all of the like weirdos who swarmed around collateral beauty swarmed around this movie. This is like galaxy brain collateral beauty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stephen Knight will forever have forgiveness from yes. me. Because Stephen you will always be famous. Movie. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I do think that burnt is on a degree of insanity that serenity is and that like everything takes place on neptune none of these people are real like they do not behave with normal human behavior even the guy who's like a monster it's like but i think in serenity there's some intention to that whereas like burnt that's the case just because it's bad right you know what I mean? Right. And I think there's a certain adherence to formula in this that, like, mm-hmm. there's a romance in there because there has to be a romance. But the romance, he, like, fully assaults her in front of people. And then we're expect to believe that the romance happens after all of this. It's just, like, yeah. it feels like what is dumb and crazy about burnt is because, well, this is what has to happen in a movie yes. like this. You yes. know? And agreed. 
it makes sense. The Alicia Vikander character is the one that I'm almost most surprised wasn't completely excised because it's like... Because it could have oh, easily been. Yeah. We learn through her in two scenes that he has these half-siblings and he didn't go to his father's funeral because of his addiction, so might have this, some guilt because of that. This guy who later, we, we never thought was his father, we just assumed that it was his like mentor, the way he talked right, about this guy. right. And in the next Alicia V. Kander scene, she's like, well, I paid off your drug dealers, so you can be safe now. Yeah. And it, it's just wild. Alicia V. Kander, who... This was her big year, This was her big year, and having seen Burnt Now, I think it's even more hilarious that when, like, you know, body of work prizes or people were mentioning <laughs> multiple performances for her in this year, they mentioned this one, which is, like, could not be more monotone. Oh, and not... she's, like, barely in this movie. Yeah. It's very Go Girl Give Us Nothing. She <laughs> She could have been excised from this movie. 100%. Yeah. I would love to know who Jamie Dornan was supposed to have been in this movie. That, His uh... father mentor. <laughs> oh, was it in flashbacks? No, I'm making Oh, okay, that okay. You're being I, an asshole. Because okay. I, for the lulls. Um... <laughs> for the lulls. Um, so Stephen Knight's career is interesting, though. He's sort of, he's this kind of son of a blacksmith, and he writes these uh, these things kind of, not exclusively, but a lot of the things that he writes are from this kind of like grungy underbelly perspective, right? His his first and at this point only Oscar nomination comes very early in his career for the, uh, he does the script for Dirty Pretty Things, which is a Stephen Freer's movie from, was released in festivals in O2, but it, it hits the awards circuit in 2003 and Stephen Knight is, uh, gets an original screenplay nomination for Dirty Pretty Things, which was pretty, like that movie was pretty low profile. So mm-hmm. that was, um, that was just the writer's branch really sort of getting behind that script. Have you seen Dirty Pretty Things? Not in a long time. I saw it when it fine. very first came out. Audrey Tattoo and uh, Shuatel Ejiofor are the, the main... I remember that might have been the first thing I'd ever seen Sophie Okonedo in as well. Um, but it's this like... There's like murder and 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 sh- uh she's a sex worker i want to say right and there's a hotel and and she's not a sex worker there's somebody else who is sofia canetta is a a sex worker um but it's like there's you know crime and violence and and uh something goes down in a hotel i really should see that thing again um i remember enjoying it uh he does the script for the 2006 Michael Apted movie Amazing Grace, which is the one about the person who wrote the song Amazing Grace. That's uh, Yoan Griffith uh, plays the guy who wrote the song Amazing Grace. I never saw that one. Did you see that movie? No. He did this movie. I know you saw. He did the script for David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises, which very much fits in the sort of dirty, pretty things, grungy underbelly. Uh, uh, way kind of surprising that that didn't get more screenplay attention because uh vigo gets the oscar nomination for that one somewhat surprise oscar nomination 
somewhat surprised. Um, That's but the that weird movie... lineup that also has somewhat surprised Tommy Lee Jones nomination. Yes. It also comes the year after Cronenberg and Vigo had done A History of Violence together. Mm-hmm. So it almost, the Eastern, Promise, Eastern Promises nomination almost feels like a two for one, where it's like you did two in a row and they were really good and we're going to give it to you for this second yeah. one. Yeah. It's not like a makeup nomination because like people liked Eastern Promises quite well too. But Eastern Promises is like grungy and violent, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, those are both two very violent. Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he makes his directorial debut in 2013 with the Jason Statham movie called Hummingbird. Uh and then he also directs uh the Tom Hardy pretty much one man show. Uh, lock uh which all the other actors are heard over the phone over the phone lock is he's guy a guy driving a car tom hardy uh decided to fuck around and just do a welsh accent just for the fun of it and i think it's a really good movie i don't know what are your feelings on lock it was oversold to me okay i can I see was that a i saw it pretty early it. i saw it pretty early so yeah that makes sense um around this time too he creates the netflix well it's it's i think it's he creates it maybe for british television but it is certainly picked up by netflix peaky blinders which runs for six seasons all of 36 episodes but it's six whole seasons um with Killian Murphy sort of uh, in the news a lot now for his Oppenheimer performances. I think people, uh, Peaky Blinders was one of those shows that like was secretly super popular on Netflix before people ever really started talking about it. It was very mm-hmm. niche, but like it was this like pretty significant niche. And um, it turned out people really liked Peaky Blinders. So I never watched that, but it's again, this like grungy, you know, uh, UK sort of, I don't know. Or is it Ireland? Oh, I'm going to do it again. See, my, in my defense, I've never seen Peaky Blinders, but uh, um, uh, English-Irish sort of uh, d- violence. That's another show where, like, any UK or Irish actor you've ever heard of probably passed through that show at one point or another, where it's yeah. like, you look at the yeah, cast yeah, list, yeah. and it's like, Tom Hardy was in it at one point, and... Uh, Joe Cole and Noah Taylor, of course, and um, Patty Considine, naturally, and Adrian Brody was on it, and Anya Taylor-Joy, of course, and Kingsley Benadire, naturally, and Katie Dickey, and, you know, Stephen Graham could not have not been on uh, Hottie Blinders. Stephen Graham. Um, Stephen Graham's so funny that he's, like, your new, like, hottie of choice. Um, when I... I- because I've been watching Scorsese stuff, and of course, like I'd watch The Irishman, and he's like, you know, I just want to dress like that when I'm his age. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll dress like it now at all times. When he shows up in the scene where he's late, and it's it, it perfect scene, so funny. Um, but then he's in Gangs of New York as like baby yeah. Stephen Graham, very snacky in that movie with like a scar and fantastic um other stephen knight uh scripts that he wrote before burnt uh he wrote the script for the hundred foot journey and for that movie uh seventh son which is the um long fantasy uh, yeah yeah, julianne moore and alicia vikander i think is in that one i think ben barnes is the main guy there jeff bridges is in that movie 
Um, Pawn Sacrifice, which is the Bobby Fischer movie that starred... Um, it's an Ed's Wick joint. Toby Maguire, right? Played Bobby yes. Fischer in that one. And then after Burnt, uh, he does the script for the Ron Howard movie, Allied, with Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. Uh, Woman Walks Ahead, the uh, Jessica Chastain um, in the Dakotas movie that played Tiff that I did not see. Did you see Woman Walks Ahead? I did not. Um, he did the script for the um, Claire Foy. He was one of the screenwriters, actually, on the, uh, the Claire Foy um, Lisbeth Salander movie, The Girl in the Spider's Web. That's... We cared so little about this Lisbeth Salander movie that last year during Women Talking, nobody really acknowledged that there's multiple Lisbeth Salanders in that movie. That's true. <laughs> nobody mentioned that. That's absolutely true. Because nobody true. cared about the Clairvoy one. Right. Um, and then one thing I never really quite clocked, actually, in 2021's Oscar race was that Stephen Knight wrote the script for Spencer, which mm-hmm. uh, gets the nomination for Kristen Stewart. So it's what a really you interesting... Think of Spencer? What's that? What did you think of Spencer? I enjoyed myself. I thought it was halfway good and halfway kind of like puzzling and maybe a little bit embarrassing. Um, But it's real interesting. It's like not... Here's the thing. I will grant a lot of rope to a biopic that really tries to not be a typical biopic. And Spencer surely did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Best thing about it is it made me want KFC. <laughs> Best thing about it is it got that fucking Mike and the Mechanics song stuck in my head for the subsequent, <laughs> like, three years. I love Kristen Stewart, but even that performance, I was like, it's okay. You know, it, it's yes. not bad, but it's okay. I just thought that was a movie that the people who loved it were doing the most. The most. <laughs> like, I, I will say... I. I'm really glad that that movie exists in the way that it exists, that it exists, even if I think it's not perfect. I would much rather that than whatever the Grace of Monaco version of Spencer, of, of, you know, or or like uh, Diana, you know what I mean? The Naomi Watts Diana, like it's that I much rather It got us a case due nomination. And I think she's just going to be one of those performers that her best work is not going to get Oscar nominations. And that's fine good that it made that happen yeah i think that's i think that's right um he's a real interesting screenwriter stephen knight i don't always love what he does he doesn't always do like he's a work for hire guy in a lot of ways you know what i mean but every once in a while he'll put together a serenity or a lock or you know or a spencer and Mm -hmm. it's like all right i'm into this like talking about yeah exactly so um, good for him. Now that Peaky Blinders is done, it's interesting to see. He did uh he did that uh we did we we talked about last week the Apple TV plus of it all and how some of those shows exist yeah. and some of those shows don't. And he did the uh one of the shows that launched with Apple TV's launch was that show C, mm-hmm. uh which was Jason Momoa and Alfrey Woodard in this fantasy post apocalyptic thing where like everybody is blind. Um that that's one of the ones that nobody watched. And sure. he's got coming up, him and uh, uh, Sean Levy developed the adaptation of All the Light We Cannot See, which is... A lot uh, of people love that book. A lot of people love that book. It's being uh, developed by Netflix. It's screening at TIFF ahead of a, I want to say, November premiere. So like they're really, really like rolling out 
mm-hmm. the 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 carpet for this movie. Mark Ruffalo's in it. Hugh Laurie's in it. I don't know if I'm excited to watch it. It feels very. Um, what was the other movie um, from a few years ago? Where, oh fuck! It was the little girl in the Holocaust and the bice, the book thief. I said the bice, yeah, yeah, the yeah, book yeah, thief. Yeah. It feels very book thief to me, just in concept. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, 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 Stephen Knight. Interesting. What else do we want to talk about in terms of uh, Adam Jones slash Yaburn? Uh, it you burnt, bombed. Not it so much bombed at the box office, as in you undercooked. <laughs> Can we talk about when it opened wide instead of platforming and absolutely Halloween fucking weekend. tanked? Uh, Halloween weekend, twenty fifteen, opened in sixth place. Was the uh, highest ranking of the new movies that weekend, but it opened. I didn't also realize it opened on the same weekend as our brand is Crisis. Both of those movies opened on opened wide in ways that they should not have. Like our brand, I guess Burnt is the type of movie that you should be able to open wide, and it just like tanked. Right, like this movie wouldn't have platformed well because the reviews were so bad. Right, it's wild that our brand is Crisis opened on two thousand screens though. (laughs) Like I've never seen that movie. It's not bad. It's just it's mid. I hate to say mid makes makes me sound like an asshole. Punch me the next time I say mid. But like that's that's what it was. Um, movies should, movies can be allowed to be mid. I know. Not I just every hate the movie term. Has to be amazing. I just hate the term. It sounds so Gen Z. I hate it. Um, it open burnt opens in sixth place behind the fifth week of The Martian, the third week of Goosebumps, the third week of Bridge of Spies, the sixth week of Hotel Transylvania Two, and the second week of The Last Witch Hunter. <laughs> Not so, the Last Witch Hunter. <laughs> yes, which I remember seeing in theaters because my friends and I were like, "Let's just see something dumb." <laughs> so we decided yeah. uh, we took an edible and we saw The Last Witch Hunter, and it was very fun. Um, so like. Th- you know, it it couldn't muster enough to beat the sixth weekend of Hotel Transylvania 2. So that says something. A lot. A lot. A lot. Um, nobody wanted to see Burnt, and it, like, fell off a cliff from there, but it opened on 3,000 screens. And, yeah, I'm trying to look at uh, uh, movies that had better per-screen averages than Burnt in its opening weekend include... Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, which opened on half as many screens. Um, let's see. The Witness, which was a Chinese movie. Um, Room, which is at that point on 49 screens, had a better per screen. Suffragette had a better per screen uh, than uh, than Burnt did. Let's see. What else? Anything interesting? Nasty Baby. Remember Nasty Baby? (laughs) Sebastian Silva's Nasty Baby. Exactly. Exactly. All better per screen averages than Burnt. What were you going to say? 
Uh, I'd just forgotten that The Martian uh, did that well, that it was still, you know, the number one movie in its fifth week. In its fifth weekend, yeah. yeah. This was also a bad year for, <laughs> one of many bad years for the Weinstein Company. This is one of the years where they're like, we're not going to make as many movies as we used to. And they sort of actively downsized from producing around 18 movies a year to somewhere between 8 and 10. So this was... Their Oscar success this year is Carol... Right, yes. Not even a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. Um, but did well. Six nominations. I still say six nominations for Carol. Um, anything else you want to say before we move into the IMDb game? Uh, go watch Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do very it. fair. Where do you think Uma's accent in this stacks up against her red, white, and royal blue accent? I... Have you not yeah, seen not clips of that. her? Have you not seen clips of, of the accent from Red, White, and Royal Blue? Her Texas Listen, accents? That movie is none of my business. I You're such a snob. That's a good book, I will say. It's a bad movie, but it's a good book. And and I You know, I know a lot of people that love the book. I I celebrate them loving the book. That movie, however. It's not good. It's not good. But in a way that like I did not regret the time I spent watching it because even when it was not good, I had fun with the not goodness of it. I think people were being a little extra about how bad it was. Just I a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Watching it because it was the thing that everyone watched, not because they watched it. But I like watch that. It. But that's fine. To I me, hate that's fine. that, though. I'm not going to watch something just because everyone's watching it. Like, but then you get to have conversations with people about it and like, make jokes with people. I have conversations about things that are interesting and good, not okay. things that everybody's right. watching just because they're watching it. Like, I don't know. I think that's good. I think that's this good is, and fine. This is why I don't watch a lot of TV. Okay, fair. It's the same thing. You should watch season two of The Bear. It's really good, though. All right. I'll eventually um, watch it. I'll eventually watch it. Why don't you explain to our listeners what the IMDb game is? Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or non-acting credits, we'll mention that up front after two wrong guesses. We'll get the remaining titles release years as a clue, and if that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints. Free-for-all of hints. All right, Chris, would you like to guess first or give first? I'm going to give first this week. All right. Uh, we've talked a bit about the work of Stephen Knight, mm-hmm. including one of his films he wrote and directed, uh, which is Locke, starring the one and only Tom Hardy. Have we not done Tom Hardy? Apparently not. Fascinating. All right. Venom. Incorrect. Oh, bitch. Okay. All right. Inception. Inception. Correct. All right. Lock. Lock, correct. Okay. I knew you were going to be tricky. Um, I don't Tommy? do that to be tricky. You you have this paranoia that, like, I, I do that to be tricky, and that's I don't genuinely trust you. not something I do. I don't, don't trust you in the IMDb game. You have too many times stated your intention to uh, to mess me up in this, to trust you. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. Correct. Mad Max Fury Road, where he plays Mac Rokotinsky. 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 All right. One more. One more Tommy Hardy movie. It's got to be Batman or The Dark Knight Rises. Yes, Joe. That is the correct answer. <laughs> but his role is Bane. 
Batman's performance in the Dark Knight Rises is correct. The the Bills played their preseason game last week against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and I did my same dumb joke I do every time I see that field, where I talk about how amazing it is that that field was able to be rebuilt after Bane blew it up. Um, <laughs> never forget. Never forget. Um, all right. All right. That's because Bane is uh, also a Buffalo Bills fan. He roots for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Go, Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> Immediately, the thing that I saw, because it was going around with Oppenheimer, that Christopher Nolan doesn't do ADR. And I was like, yeah, we've all heard yeah. Tom Hardy girl, in Dark Knight Rises. Girl, we, we know. know he doesn't do ADR. <laughs> Honestly, here's what I will say. It's true. You watch Tenet and you really can't understand what they're saying for a lot of scenes. But that's why Tenet is a, such a good vibes movie. Because like you just let go and let God in that movie. The movie and literally tells you not to think about exactly. it. Exactly. Tenet is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. It's so good. Not brackets, not necessarily derogatory. <laughs> uh, Tenet rules. There are, there are moments in that movie where I'm like, this is so stupid! And it's then there's so moments in that movie where I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> Tenet rules. Okay, so for you, I no. pulled from uh, your favorite film, Serenity. One of the <sighs> cast members of that film. I pulled... Mr. Speaking of the recent Christopher Nolan movies, Mr. Jason Clark. Jason Clark, uh, good actor. Good actor. Uh, in a lot of indiscernible, like it, Jason Clark was in just kind of a soup of uh, very similar movies for a period. Indeed. Also, like there was a year or two where he's indistinguishable from Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, Zero Dark Thirty. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, um, you're describing one movie in particular with all of those observations. <laughs> um, is he the bad guy in Serenity? He's Here the husband. He's the abusive husband. He's yeah, the, he's the abusive husband. Yeah. That They have a wild sex scene. Yes, um, they do. That's right, because she has the yes daddy scene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> going to go watch Okay, Serenity. Jason Clark. Um, yes. When did I first ever notice Jason Clark? He's in no, that's Joel Edgerton. I was gonna say <laughs> Animal Kingdom. Uh, when I first noticed Jason Clark is a is an idea worth uh, exploring for me. I'll do that while you try and guess. I feel like Zero Dark Thirty was the first time I was like Jason. Clark. It's very possible. Um. Uh. I mean, Oppenheimer's not there yet but like he's one of the people i could see oppenheimer eventually showing up on their known for <sighs> has he been in other nolan movies i feel like what's the other movie that i stuck up for i stuck up for jason clark being good and not a good movie um fine i'll just say serenity not serenity not serenity yeah um there's like a bunch of genre stuff that he's done. I feel like he has a weird franchise that like there's no television, right? No. Cuz he's not a Game of Thrones person, is he? No. No. If he was if he was English, then I would say uh yes, but he is Australian. But like yes, if yes. he Which has is part the... of the reason why we confuse him with Joel Edgerton. Yes, exactly. Um 
I feel like there's something Black Mass because he's in something with Joel Edgerton. Uh, I don't think it's Black Mass. Well, but... Zero Dark Thirty. Um... Yes, Zero Dark Thirty. He's in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, no, but they're not... opposite ends of the movie. It's true. Uh, but anyway, not Black Mass. So your years are. 2014, 2015, 2017. That's not any help. That's that's what you like to call the Jason Clark era. <laughs> I'm in my Jason Clark era. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So these are all after Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. They're also after The Great Gatsby. And I think for me, it was the oh, one right. two of Zero Jason Dark Gatsby. Thirty and The Great Gatsby that made me uh, take notice. Um. That's the other one, by the way, that he's in with Joel Edgerton. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm um, going to check and see how many movies he and Joel Edgerton are in together, because what if it's like 12? It's really silly that they maybe haven't ever played Brothers. Like It is silly. It's true. Make another Kelly Gang movie and let uh, Jason Clark and Joel Edgerton play Brothers. Is he in, like, Lawless? He is in Lawless. It's not one of them, but he's definitely in Lawless. Is he... I've done so bad in recent IMTV games. I think my brain is cooked. Um... I'll give you some clues in a second. I just want to look up and see how many movies he's in with Joel Edgerton. He's in with Joel Edgerton. <laughs> Midnight Special is another one that's conceivable that they're both in. But I don't think Jason Clark is in that. Okay, so it's actually only three movies. It's Gatsby... Zero Dark Thirty, and then a movie from 1998 called Praise. Let me see if they're both acting in it. It's a John Curran Is it the movie. Fat Boy Slim Praise You video? Yes, it's the Praise You video. Um, Joel Edgerton. Is Jason Clark in this movie? Sometimes they'll give you a collaboration, and it's like one of them is in like Special Thanks, and I really think that should be illegal to do that. Um, <laughs> nope, they're both acting in it. It's a John Curran movie. John Curran, who directed, um, oh, something. What did he direct? Oh, he directed another... Uh, Jason- oh, he directed We Don't Live Here Anymore. I'm like, why do I know the name John Curran? Uh, yes. He directed We Don't Live Here Anymore and The Painted Veil. Um, he directed a movie in 1998 with Joel Edgerton and Jason Clark. Anyway, that's not one of his known for. All right, so clues. You want some clues? Um, I literally almost said Master Gardener. That is Joel Edgerton. That is 100% Joel Edgerton. Uh, um, that movie might have been better with Jason Clark. Okay, um, two of these are franchise movies. This is where I was. I was like, he's in franchises. I just don't know. I can't remember what his franchises are because they're like. It's like Godzilla versus Kong. It's like movies where it's franchises where no one talks about their actors. Like, yes, that is true. About it. yes, definitely one of them. He's in the least well-regarded installment of one particular franchise. Um, it's the one that like everybody has decided to pretend never happened. They they sort of rebooted things. Is it an X Men movie? Is it like X-Men not X Men? No, it's not an X Men. Um, he plays a character who has been played by a lot of different actors over the years. They keep casting this character with a different actor every time. Is it st- a Star Trek movie? No. Um, at different ages, in different, um, maybe timelines, I guess. Um, Is it one of the Batman movies? Not a like Batman. The DC. 
stuff. Okay. Not a Batman. Um, well, I meant Superman. Um, it's not a superhero franchise. It's a, and it's not like Transformers because none of those movies are well regarded. Right. Um, it's a franchise that started in the eighties. Not Back to the Future. It had one movie in the 80s, one movie in the 90s, one movie in the aughts, and then three movies? No, maybe one movie around the end of the aughts, so two movies in the aughts, I guess, and then two movies in the teens. 80s, 90s, wow, what is this? This Um, is the bad one. Um, It's a Terminator movie, it's Genesis. It's Terminator Genesis. He plays John Connor in Terminator Genesis. All right. Your other franchise, he's in, this is a well-regarded movie. This is part of a trio of well-regarded movies. Um, I liked all of these. A trio of well-regarded movies, but not a franchise? No, it's a franchise. It's, it's part a franchise. of, okay. it's, a, it's a continuation of a franchise that was like a couple decades old by this point. Okay. Um, hmm. I like this movie. I remember almost none of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's the middle portion. It's the middle one of this trio. They were all the directed by from... the same guy who, um, it's not the Hobbit movies. No. Um, it's one of those where it's like, God, I wish these titles were not so similar. Cause I can never remember which movie each title pertains to. And it's a basically rebooted franchise or extended franchise from something that was years and years ago. Uh, if we can consider like Terrence Malick a cinematic universe, uh, he's definitely in one of the like Knight of Cups or Song to Song movies. Um, uh, okay. All three of the titles are like slight variations on each other so it's really hard to know what happens what each title what movie is 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 it a horror franchise no not horror um but action um super like like you know sci-fi action sci-fi action not star trek right no it takes place on earth basically a reboot The Planet of the Apes movies? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I could ask you which one of the three that he's in, but that would maybe I could get it from that. Because he's in the most kind of actor-intensive of War. the three. The most actor-intensive? That's the first one, which is Rise. Well, no, that's you're actually right, and I don't mean that. I mean the one where the performances are the So the second the one, best. is it Dawn? Yes, it's Dawn. It's the one okay. where the performances are the best. I think Dawn is the best of those three. Um, yes, okay, so one more. Not a franchise. 2017. An Oscar nominee. Oh, okay. In a couple um, different categories. In a couple different categories? Does that mm-hmm. mean not Best Picture? Right. Acting nominations? Uh-huh, one. Mm. Mudbound. It's Mudbound. Mudbound. He is the lead in Mudbound. Very good. Very good. He and Garrett Headland. Yes, he and Garrett Headland. Good movie, Mudbound. Good movie. Yes. 
All right. Well done, Chris. You finally got it. Jason Clark. An interesting known for in that they're four very well-known movies, and yet it's very hard to to pick them out as uh, his And to pin for. them as, you know. And not Joel Edgerton movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's everything, Chris. I think we covered it. We did it. Soup we burned to it. nuts with burnt. Yeah, we burnt it, didn't we? We burnt it to the ground. Yeah, burnt. All right. That is our episode, everybody. If you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thisheadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz and our Instagram at thisheadoscarbuzz. A reminder to go to patreon.com slash thisheadoscarbuzz to sign up for This Had Oscar Buzz Turbulent Brilliance, our Patreon membership for $5 a month where you can get two extra episodes every month. It's going to be fun. Chris, where can the listeners find more of you? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at File. That is F-E-I-L. I am on Twitter uh, and Letterboxd at Joe Reed. Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance, and Taylor Cole for our theme music. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever else you get your podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility, so send back that cayenne pepper caked uh, inedible dish and while you're waiting for a new one, write us up a nice review, won't you? That is all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. You burn.